Support for the show comes from Indeed. If you need to hire, you may need Indeed. Indeed is a matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Listeners of this show can get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and say you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Startups, you don't need to settle for a cumbersome banking experience to protect your money. Mercury offers banking and credit cards with effortless experience, giving ambitious companies greater precision, control, and focus without compromising security. Open smarter checking and savings accounts, control spend, optimize cash flow, and close the books in record time. Visit mercury.com to join more than 100,000 startups that trust Mercury with their finances and to help them perform at their highest level. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway clapping back at you, Kara. Yeah, really? Your <laughs> You're in Florida again, right? Correct? You're in Florida? I am. I'm in, I'm in Delray Beach. I'm actually in Boca, but I think Boca. it sounds cooler My to say Delray Beach. My mom's going to John's Island or something. I don't know. Down there. Something like that. Down John's there. John's Island. I don't How know. How much do you love the clap? I don't How like much that. does Kara love the clap? <laughs> I love everything about Nancy Pelosi these days. Yeah. You know, I yeah. know her pretty well, and... She has always been like this. Of course you do. Of course I do. Of course you do. I know everybody. But she's she's my representative from San Francisco. I know her. Her husband's on the board of Georgetown that I – that Paul Pelosi is fantastic, hunky. He's real hunky. He's lovely. Um, So I know them. And so she's always been like this. And I think people are starting to get a taste of what she's actually like versus – the, the picture that the right wing has painted her, uh, and, and sometimes she's walked right into, you know what I mean, the idea. But she's really sort of come on to her own. She's she's moved into the tough grandma phase, like taking no shit. So I like the whole I like the Well, whole and jam. the left wing. Yeah. She wasn't a lock on, no. the, on the leadership like, the speaker position. She gives no fucks now. I like the whole thing, and the yeah. clap was fantastic. Like her whole jam is working for me. And I think for a lot Someone of people— Someone definitely right? coached her. Yeah. Someone no, definitely No, she's like that. I'm telling that. you, she's like that. Some people d- do not break through until much later in their lives. So here she is um, in terms of people <laughs> I'm like waiting. Me. Where's my breakthrough, Kara? <laughs> oh, by the way, speaking of breakthroughs, right. yeah. I've thought of a couple nicknames for you. You told me right. that, which I think is key. You told me that you're supporting Kamala Harris. Is yeah. that right? Well, no, I'm supporting so, her. I like her the best of the ones so okay, far. Okay, you like her. Whatever. Support her. Amy Klobuchar Carla. is announcing on you're Sunday. You're Carla Swisher. Car- Carla. Carla. Oh, my God. Carla. <laughs> no. Okay, I got a better Amy one. Amy Klobuchar is announcing on Going Sunday, back. supposedly. There's been some hit pieces on her about how her staff has a lot of turnover. Um, it'll be interesting. More And Biden's will sometime come in sooner, sooner or later. There's going to be Don't a lot. Don't try and move on from my nicknames. What? This is a good on. one. I'm You're going to like this one. this one. Listen to me. We K- have to get started. K-Swish. No. K-Swish. Not K-Swish. K-Swish. People have called Oh, that's that. awesome. That's okay. That's go awesome. Ahead. I'm, I'm going to call you. Back How about, to Senator Klobuchar. Here's my nickname for you, Scott. Okay, Scott. Um, Facebook turned 15 this week. And at Rico, <laughs> we've been talking a lot about whether or not that's been a net gain or loss for the society as a whole. We did a whole series of things. And and some we had a lot of people weigh in and write little essays about whether it's a net plus or or minus to humanity. Um, so we're friends of the pivot. Uh, we reached out for their take. They had written stuff for uh, Vox and Recode. Um, and so we're going to play them. First, Antonio uh, Garcia Martinez, 
thinks we're all overreacting. He's a former Facebook employee. I think 15 years from now, we're going to look back at a lot of the sort of panic reactions we're having now and find them kind of amusing. You know, it's, it's the destiny of new media to sort of burst on the scene, freak everyone out, cause more than one negative outcome, which, which Facebook certainly has, and then go on to become a completely unremarkable utility that's part of the sort of technological landscape and that nobody notices anymore. Lest we forget, radio used to be one of these inflammatory media that people as vile as Adolf Hitler or, you know, various other demagogues, even in the U.S., used to much effect in the, in the 30s and 40s. And now here we have NPR, you know, begging us for cash in, in exchange for a tote bag. The reality is that cultures and societies adapt to new media. And, you know, we return to some equilibrium state after the shock of that media has worn off and, and we've adapted to it. All right. So that's what he has to say. What do you what do you think of Antonio's thoughts? He's very active on Twitter and he's been sort of pushes back at the media uh, and everything else. What do you think of his take? Okay, so uh, the latest talking point that has been that has co-opted Mr. Garcia or or Mr. Garcia Martinez is the notion that we can conflate Facebook and these vehicles with other media communications. Yeah, he does that. that Somehow that uh, Mark Zuckerberg, if you if you notice, is now saying a lot of the criticism Facebook has fallen under is similar to all the criticism of the internet. He's trying to bear hug the internet. And yeah, say, he, did, the he internet. went back to the Gutenberg Bible, though. He was like he's reaching back for the or not the Gutenberg Bible, but printing press, the, the original printing. Yeah, press. but the people the people making con- the people who were actually who owned the rights to the printing press weren't ignoring bad things. Had they had the options, the tools, and the capital to mm-hmm. make books less dangerous. They would have and they did. And that is what this management team is failing to do. Yeah. So to conflate himself uh, with the Internet is just Gutenberg. another, again, it's the delay Gutenberg ploy. That's what I call it, the Gutenberg ploy. There you go. Anyway, all right, the, the next one. Play. Your colleague at NYU thinks we should put Facebook back in Pandora's box. Let's hear from Adam Alter. He's an associate professor of marketing at NYU. I think Facebook is a force for bad in the world. I think there's only one good thing that Facebook has done, and that's allowed people who have existing offline relationships to rekindle those relationships if they've lost touch with people. But I think in every other context, Facebook has done much more bad than good. It is a time suck. It fuels political division. It's designed to sell things to people that they don't need. It violates our privacy and then weaponizes the information that it gathers to keep us glued to the screen. It fuels a very unhealthy reliance on other people for social approval. It's a portal to bullying and ostracism. I mean, the list goes on. And so I feel pretty firmly that Facebook is essentially a force for bad more than it is a force for good in the world. All right, Scott, what do you think of your colleague about these things? Well, I'm biased. I think Adam is a gangster. He's one of the – he's a rock star in the world of marketing, and he's he's got an Australian accent and dreamy, so he ticks every box for me. What do you think? (laughs) I think he's right. I think – I don't know if you can put it back in the box. I said, It's all well and good to say you can. I mean I had a quote in there saying I, I, there's really nothing to be done. They broke these things and can they fix them? I think that's the question. So putting him back in the box is not really an option. But he thinks it's a force for bad more than good in the world. So I'm not sure what we can do. I don't think you can regulate yourself out of this. So I think that's the, um, that's the problem. All right. Next one, Representative Ro Khanna. He is a Silicon Valley representative uh, in Congress. Uh, I just had lunch with him this week in the Senate dining room. It was lovely. With Nancy? 
You no, and Nancy and Roe? No, it was just Roe for lunch, and we ran into Kristen Gillibrand. It's quite a scene up there, I have to tell you. It's fascinating to watch. Washington? In the congressional no, just that, office? In that dining room. It's a, I had a lovely crab cake. It was very nice, and some navy bean soup. It was lovely. But it, it's just the whole scene here, jam here, makes me laugh in many ways. I met You had the best off. line at— what? At that that event you hosted in D.C., <laughs> you said, it's great to be in D.C. I feel 10 times sexier when I'm here. That <laughs> I was do. The best. It's true. That uh, was the best line about jeans. D.C. I shouldn't have done that. That was bad. All right, let's so listen. I'll ask you after this clip what you think of Representative Kana. Facebook is an extraordinary platform that has done uh, extraordinary things and also has, unfortunately, a dark side. Uh, on the positive note, you have a platform that has enabled Parkland kids to make the nation aware of gun violence. Uh, you've had a platform that's allowed for the rise of candidates like Bernie Sanders and uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. It's given a voice to insurgents. Uh, you have a platform that's uh, mobilized on issues of the Green New Deal and human rights. All of that said, uh, the downside has been dramatic. I mean, uh, there's no doubt there was uh, election meddling in 2016 that distorted our democracy, systematic disinformation campaigns of hate and propaganda uh, that is totally uh, unacceptable and it's a real threat to American democracy. So in short, I believe that Facebook will do more good than bad. It has the potential certainly to do that, but it's going to require thoughtful leadership uh, of uh, people who are going to stop the platform for being used for to incite violence and who are going to make sure that uh, we don't have election interference in the future. All right. What do I think of Ro Khanna? I think he's very smart. I had a really enjoyable lunch with him. I think he's thinking about uh, these issues and sort of he's trying to stay balanced. That's the problem he's got is that he, he – it's not that he represents Silicon Valley because he doesn't, but he, he – the companies are in – some of the companies, the big companies, I think Google's in his constituent area. Um, and so I think he's trying to do sort of the middle ground, and he's the one I wrote about this Internet Bill of Rights uh, to, to come up with different regulation based on that. And I think I think he's very thoughtful. I think he, he has to toe a really unusual line to be sort of in the middle of this, and I think that puts him – it's a problem for people like him that do that. What do you think? Yeah, I think he threads the needle well because he's sort of – I mean, if anyone's sort of paid for or should be kind of the spokesperson for the industry, it's him, but he strikes me as a pretty – Thoughtful guy. That I think the interesting thing about this question or this navel gazing that it, everyone's going through on the fifteenth birthday of Facebook is the dangerous word in all of this is is big tech. Are we net gainers from big tech? Mm-hmm. And the word I don't like, or I think is dangerous, is the word net. And that is that we do this calculus and decide if, on the whole, they're a net positive. Then argument over. Leave them alone. And pesticides. We're likely net gainers from pesticides, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't have an FDA. We're likely a net gainer from fossil fuels. We're likely Mm -hmm. a net gainer from coal, as as angry as that gets people. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't have emission standards. That doesn't mean we shouldn't have carbon Mm -hmm. cap and trade. And just because I do believe we're net gainers from big tech, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't be liable for incenting violence. That shouldn't mean they they are not held liable when there are skyrocketing rates of depression among teenage girls. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean they shouldn't be hit really hard when it's clear they don't put in place the safeguards to ensure our elections or their platforms aren't weaponized to flip our elections. And let's go one by one. All right. I I would argue Google is a net positive. Still thinks we should do. I would argue that Apple a net positive. Amazon, as much as I hate to say it, I think it's a net positive. I think Facebook and possibly Twitter 
are net negatives. Okay. I so, believe the damage they have done, those two platforms, mm-hmm. is greater than the net positive. What that is thoughts? what the other companies think too, including Mike and others. I, you know, I had that quote in the column last week about Facebook contagion. Like they cause, they're the ones causing behaving badly and everyone else has to pay the price. And I think that's true. I would agree with you on that. And I think those are the two platforms most irresponsible in managing them. Sloppy management. That's the kindest way of saying it's sloppy. Um, so, so I agree with you on that. I can't believe we agree. We shouldn't, we're not supposed to agree as much, several different people. I know, I've heard we need more You're an idiot, Scott. No, Uh, but I do think that, (laughs) I'm used to that. I I do think, uh, in general, if I had to weigh it all, right now we're in a net negative position for tech, uh, I would say, among people. But, you know, maybe not general people, but I think definitely the, the chattering class is certainly irritated by tech more than it's ever been. All right. Last one, Amina Tausso. Um, she is a friend of mine and she also is a great writer. She has a great uh, uh, podcast called Ask Your Girlfriend, all kinds of stuff. She was the more like she loved Facebook and now she does. She wants to break up with it. So let's listen to her. The idea of whether Facebook is good or bad 15 years in is very complicated. It was very good for a time. Like, are you kidding me? Got to, like, hang out with all your friends online. You got to, like, make crushes in your various college classes. And also just, like, connect with all of your friends who were far away. I was an international student at college. And so something like Facebook was actually, like, insanely valuable in the sense that it connected all of the far-flung pieces of my world. It's accurate to say that for me, I did not think of privacy and security when I was making these like intense, amazing human connections because it just seemed fun. And as the years wore on, you know, like the matrix became quite clear that we were in a real conundrum. And so I would say that Facebook today, it's not a place that sparks joy, uh, (laughs) Marie Kondo. It is a place that sparks a lot of anxiety and an intense amount of guilt. It is not a company that morally I can support. And I know that, like, I'm a living, breathing, like, thinking person. I should get off of Facebook. But, you know, for the friends that still stay on there and the family that still shares the baby photos that I want to see and and just, like, the, the tangled web that we've woven for ourselves on there, like, I think about that all the time. All right. I think Amin, of all of them, really does express this great hope idea of it being something good and then it sort of... It's like the, it's like a bad boyfriend. Like it suddenly occurs to you that this is a bad boyfriend kind of thing. What do you think, Scott? Um, you lost me a bad boyfriend. <laughs> you hope wait. You, you hope it. You mean you hope it works out well? Yeah, you're you like you believe in love, it. and then life intervenes, kind of thing. And then he, he weaponizes you, and you throw yeah. the and you ruin America. Argue about kind of like logistics and things like you know what I mean. Like it, it, it's not quite as delightful as it seemed kind of thing that's i think she was expressing that that there was a great hope like the arab spring and this is how we can connect and this is so cool and then uh this the reality settles in that it's a lot more complicated i think she's she does represent a lot of people i talk to regular people i think the better angel strategy is a flawed and a dangerous one i think all of us including myself keep hoping that and i do believe you call it shaming them i do think that's an effective tool and an important tool but i think we keep hoping that hoping that, that the better person who's more concerned with the commonwealth is going to show up. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and that doesn't happen. Just yeah. as I think, you know, going to Starbucks or you deciding at home you're not going to have plastic straws, that's all fine and nice and turning your thermostat down. Mm-hmm. But until we elect people who actually put regulations or just outright ban plastic, we're going to have more plastic in the ocean yeah. than fish in you're 2050. Right. Just say no. And so until we actually create economic disincentives, i.e. start adding a zero to every fine 
start making these companies subject to the same liability laws that every other media company is liable to, hoping that the better Jeff Bezos shows up yeah. is just not going to happen. Better. That, what, is, what, do you, what is your theme? What is your theme? You're better. I have the Gutenberg ploy, but what is yours? The better? The better Bezos? The better Bezos. The, the less evil twin shows up. Yeah. By the way, did you see he was at Super Bowl? Who? Bezos? Was he? Bezos was at the Super Bowl. You probably didn't watch the Super Bowl. By the way, this no, guy, no. and I recognize this because I'm in kind of a 50, 60 year, mm-hmm. a 50, 60 year long stage called the midlife crisis that mm-hmm. just keeps going and going and going. This guy, we are literally watching a midlife crisis on steroids. Oh, he might as well put out a reply all email that says, I'm about to start sleeping with my secretary and get hair plugs. <laughs> okay. I you mean, know what? this I'm guy is seriously, seriously at you the Super Bowl. What is he doing? He might like the Super Bowl. Leave him alone. He's a billionaire. He's the oh richest man God. on earth. He can go wherever he pleases. He, Keep it to yourself, Jeff. No, no. Keep it You're, to yourself. He's a person, even if he's Jeff Bezos. I'm sorry. You are absolutely incorrect. If I think that's the nicest to... thing you've said about him. He's a I person. Like Jeff in a lot of ways. You know, I I do admire what he's done. He just delivered fantastic things to my house again, once again, flawlessly. It's just really kind of fast. Like, I have yet to see them screw up on anything that I've done. I'm really kind of amazed. Do you think the $3 billion he's taking out of uh, uh, Long Island school system? Yes. I think think that's going to— Do you think that's an awesome move by Jeff? No, I think that's not an awesome move, and I think they're going to push that one back. I think that's going to be pushed. So you think that, you think that, you know, they just appointed someone who could possibly kibosh it, who has been a vocal critic of it. You think, Mm -hmm. and you might be making news here, this is a prediction, Carla, you believe, (laughs) you believe that that, that, uh, HQ2 in Queens is not going to happen? I didn't say it wasn't going to happen. I said they're going to have to not get all the gimmies. I think some of the gimmies are going to be rolled back. That's all. So... Hmm. It's, it's, you know, I don't know if you no saw helicopter pad? Farhad uh, Manju's column in the Times today called Abolish Billionaires. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought it was like up on Billionaire Mountain or People of uh, people of Means Mountain, which is we're not my new name for it, uh, Billionaire Mountain. Uh, they're very upset by this column. That's so. such an awesome name, Farhad Manju. That's seriously, he can walk into any newsroom and say, don't question me. I'm fucking Farhad Manju. <laughs> you know, he's a very sweet man. He's not... He doesn't do that like you might. He's very, no. he's very no, self-effacing. He needs to start. Anyway, awesome, what do you think man. about his bo- abolished billionaires? And then I want to move on to Angela Aarons at Apple. What, well, what abolished is- billionaires. There's definitely a level of class war- warfare. Or Look, income inequality and mm-hmm. what billionaires or all of us don't realize long-term or don't acknowledge is that whenever we get to massive levels of income inequality throughout history, mm-hmm. the good news is they're always self-correcting. The mm, bad news so. is... Well, that's the bad news. The bad news is that the vehicles of self-correction are always consistently three things, war, famine, or revolution. And we're in the midst of what I would call a slow revolution, largely brought on by income inequality. So it is in everyone's best interest to figure out a way not to have the levels of income inequality we are barreling towards. And rather than going after billionaires as a class, I think that the real culprits here are the citizenry that has decided that the class or the economic class that has benefited the most and kind of killed it over the last 20 years should probably pay more taxes. And it's a fair – I think it's an economic argument. It's an argument about policy. But it doesn't have to be an argument that says the moment you become worth a billion dollars, you're less noble and you're less of a good person. People will avoid their taxes. They will make excuses. They will give to philanthropy, which is consumption. I don't think we should excuse anybody. Pablo Escobar built parks after becoming a billionaire. Right. We need to have – and this goes to the clip your winner last week. We need to have an adult conversation around which economic group – can afford to offset the massive 
escalation in debt we're incurring because the notion that we're going to reduce spending in this nation is a popular notion and it never happens. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't like where we're going with the whole 70 percent. The far left is saying using the number 70 percent or trying to somehow label this class as, as, as lesser people or that they're the enemy. That's not a productive conversation. Mm, yet. And yet that's where we're going. That's where we're going. And what did, what did you think of the article? Or what, where, you know, what I think you he was like trying to be, it? you know, do an article or get noticed. Like, right, you know what I mean? The idea. I don't, you know, he was sort of bringing in the, let us bring up this idea. And then he talked to Tom Steyer, which made me laugh because there's a billionaire that's trying to stop billionaires. Like, whatever, um, Tom. And uh, and then, you know, I think the no, there is a feeling of, you know, when I think about it, you know, $164 billion that Jeff Bezos has or $64 billion that Mark's – I'm like, there is something way out of whack in terms yeah, of our taxes. Wrong. There's something going – and I know some of it was made through innovation and things like that and he deserves it and he made it. But it's 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 going to make people. It's going to. It's like mm, not so much when we don't have basic services and things like that. So, um, when twenty seven people have more wealth in the incredible. southern hemisphere, it's incredible. But, yeah. but we we have the. This is the world we wanted in America. We have deliberately chosen a Hunger Games like economy well, that's really where everybody believes they might be the lottery winner, and they're not. And so rather than. Post-World War II, I think America's collective goal with our tax policy and the way we viewed celebrities and wealth was we wanted to create millions of millionaires. I think that was our collective goal economically. And it appears that we have shifted that goal to, the, to we want to crown the first trillionaire, that we're willing – everybody realizes the lottery economy and like playing the lottery is a bad idea, but my ticket's going to win, baby. Yeah. Or my son could go to work for Google or my son could be the next billionaire. So we've created a protected, privileged class, and people are just coming to grips with the fact yeah, I think it's good to that the lottery is yeah. a bad yeah, deal. I agree. I agree. I'm going to be the world's first trillionaire. Anyway, very quickly, Angela Arendt's <laughs> leaving uh, Apple. She ran the Apple stores in the retail division. Yep. She's a very talented woman from Bur Burberry's, uh, yep. one of the few women executives at uh, um, Apple. She's replaced by another woman. But uh, what do you think of the stores situation and this? I don't really so know Angela, the backstory. I don't know the backstory. It, Angela pulled off an incredible gangster move in the world of luxury, and that is she rebranded and repositioned Burberry, which was this tired British brand that meant plaid yeah. and bad bad merchandise. And mm -hmm. using digital more as a marketing vehicle, you know, talking about how we can make it rain on Instagram and we're going to live stream the fashion show from Singapore, which I would call kind of fake innovation. Mm -hmm. But to their credit, they essentially were able to reposition the brand on the backs of at least the PR around digital innovation, accreted mm -hmm. huge shareholder wealth. And good for her, leverage that incredible repositioning of the brand to go become the, the highest paid person at Apple, which, by the way, is a great reflection on Tim Cook. I always thought that the best CEOs are the ones that are always the number two or number three uh, best paid person in the company each year. And over the long term, they're almost always the best paid, and that's fine. But each year, there should be someone in the company that's outperformed to the extent where they make more than the CEO. And she made, by my math, about a quarter of a billion dollars over the last five years working at Apple. Now, having said that, I love Apple stores, number one per square foot in the world, revolutionized the world of retail. People will say, what is the most accretive decision in the history of business? People would say it's Apple's decision to release the iPhone. I think they get the brand right, but the decision wrong. I think it was their gangster decision to open 600 stores and reallocate capital out of broadcast television into stores where people still went in and touched the brand, if you will. Mm -hmm. I would argue, though, and I want to get your viewpoint, that mm -hmm. in the last five years, I'm not sure 
the head of stores has been worth a quarter of a billion dollars. Yeah. And I believe the conversation that took place was, Angela, thank you. Angela, the multi-channel's good. The, the click and collect, the pickup is better. But we probably, you know, the quarter of a billion, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of an athlete that that was a great a great athlete, but probably wasn't worth what they were being right. paid. I think the guy, Sue, on the Rams that came from the Dolphins, the Dolphins oh, cut him out because the, it wasn't amazing. sports because I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, I'm going to lose it too. I'm in over my head on sports. But you hear what I'm saying. I think she was great. And I think she was – was the question, is she amazing or was she overpaid? The answer is yes. Mm -hmm. All right. That's your take. Well, where are stores going? Where where do you think stores are going? Oh, there will be there will be fewer stores, but they will be strategically more important. So organizations like Simon Properties or General Growth that have the nicest malls – Mm-hmm. will be fine because the death of stores has been greatly exaggerated. And while broadcast television or all the things you do to build a brand pre-broadcast are getting weaker and weaker because what does media that's growing have in common, Kara? It has no advertising. I mean, how do you know you're, how do you know you're wealthy? You don't have to subject yourself to this shitty thing called advertising. Advertising has become a tax. The poor and the technologically illiterate have to pay, but you still have to go into stores. Mm-hmm. Not as often, but still 80% of the time, maybe 85% like of the store. time. I still like it. I was there yesterday. Oh, they're yesterday. wonderful. They're yeah, wonderful. The question 20th. is, have they changed? No, much they in need five to be years? a little more exciting. I think they need to be clean. They need a little refresh, as they say. They and people refresh. are catching up. There's some there's some really interesting innovation say in stores. They need refresh. So we'll see. What is the one thing you would do in an Apple store? What have would you a coffee suggest? shop. Yeah. High margin. Coffee shop. Their coffee. The best coffee. The most delicious. And then who's ever, whoever is overseeing the coffee division should run as a centrist candidate for president. All right. Boom. We're done. Scott, we're going to go. We get back. Boom. We're going to take an ad break now. When we get back, we're going to do wins and fails and predictions. Support for this show comes from Indeed. Imagine the perfect employee. Let's call her Jackie. Jackie is professional yet relaxed, punctual, friendly, meets deadlines, and just makes your job easier overall. But the search for Jackie can be long and tedious, especially when you have so many other things on your plate. Indeed wants to help you find your next Jackie. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. They leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. So their matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. That means they can better connect you with your Jackie. And listeners of this show can get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and say you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Startups, you don't need to settle for a cumbersome banking experience to protect your money. Mercury offers banking and credit cards with effortless experience, giving ambitious companies greater precision, control, and focus without compromising security. Open smarter checking and savings accounts, control spend, optimize cash flow, and close the books in record time. Visit mercury.com to join more than 100,000 startups that trust Mercury with their finances and to help them perform at their highest level. Okay. 
Okay, we're here with Scott Galloway. He keeps saying boom and called me Carmela. I don't know why. Carla. Um, Carla. You know what? Stop. <laughs> we're going to stay on this idea of awesome. uh, rich people. Let's, let's, let's trash the rich. Let's trash the rich right now. Um, so uh, Howard Schultz, who I do like very much, is still going around talking about um, rich people in a bad way. He's giving billionaires a bad name, I think. Um, and he wants to, to, uh, to change the way we talk about billionaires. So let's listen to what he has to say. The author of Winner Takes All sent in a question and said, do you agree that billionaires have too much power in American public life? Yeah, I, 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 you know, the, the moniker billionaire now has become the, the catchphrase. I would rephrase that and I would say that people of, of means have been able to leverage their wealth and their interest all right, so he doesn't like the moniker billionaire, and he wants to be called people of means, which is like, oh, Jesus, criminies, criminies, uh, Howard. He's so thoughtful. He really is. He writes the most thoughtful emails. He's he's a very thoughtful man, but, man, is he not going, he just, oh, God, Lordy Lou, what, what do you think about him? People of me. Yeah, look, look, everybody's piling on. He's come he's, on. He's about to figure out. He's about to figure out that it's pretty hot in the kitchen, right? Nobody. The, okay. People. Oh, let me put it this way: people of means tend to surround themselves with people of brown noses because mm-hmm. you have people around you who kiss your ass and tell you how awesome you mm-hmm. are, laugh at your bad jokes, and when you say something like "Don't refer to people as billionaires, but people of means." He's used to people around him going, that's genius, Howard. You're absolutely right. We, we need to change that. And the, mm-hmm. the wonderful thing about our, our process is people get put through the ringer in the kitchen. And right. the ones that emerge, emerge stronger. I mean, you, you do have a – I mean, this is the mother of all vetting processes, right? And my prediction – and I'll use this as my prediction. I don't think – I think he's going to decide not to run. If he were to really want to make a difference – he would probably decide what issues are important to him and then go out and be use some of his capital and his star power to support candidates who are willing to put up with the bullshit that I think he's going to decide he is not willing to put up with. All right. Okay. Because he wants your to thoughts. get back in his thing. All right. Okay. And, and your fail or win of the week? My fail or win? Oh, my fail is I'm angry at Jack Dorsey again. <laughs> I'm me too. So, Did you see my fight with him on awful, Twitter? Right? Do you see him's response to me? His obnoxious response about me asking him to do an interview. He actually responds to you. Oh yeah, it was a whole big thing. He goes, no, I, he I wrote, I love. I, podcasts are fun, or something like that. And I wrote, I have a podcast because I've been asking him to do an interview. And he wrote back. Yeah. He's like, you know, I've talked to you many times. I'm trying to branch out. And I was like, you're, you got to be branch kidding me. And out. most people were like, you're just too scared to get on. Get they get in an interview. Hundred percent. You know what I mean, and so here, and here, then he Jack. responded with something else, and then I then I went every day. I'm going to just pillory him. But go ahead. Hey, at Jack, reach down, fill those round things, and come on the show. Ugh, Anyways, don't, so don't, look, I'm on Twitter, anything. and I tweeted out. I've been thinking a lot about. Uh, there's so much noise around uh, how San Francisco and New York need to be made more affordable, mm-hmm. and a lot of navel gazing and and thought think thought. You know, thought pieces. My feeling is that, that that's a ridiculous conversation. I've never understood how you make a city more affordable. And I also think that's actually, in many ways, a, a function. It has negative externalities. You've got to address low-income housing. But the, the I think the objective should be to make Detroit and St. Louis more expensive or figure out a way to invest in those categories and more businesses and more people or those cities want to move there, thereby, if you will, driving up prices. And I basically put out a tweet saying, 
The problem is in SF and New York affordability, the, the problem is St. Louis and Detroit should be more expensive. And a bunch of tweets, a lot of a lot of good arguments back saying, Scott, that's the wrong problem. A lot of thoughtful things. Some of the things I love about Twitter. And then a comment from somebody that said, uh, uh, so translation, I've got mine, fuck the rest of you. And I thought, wow, that's a really incendiary thing to say. I, that's, that's, not, that's not what I meant at all. And I looked at, so I looked at the person, I looked at the account. And I went onto their their Twitter page, and they had been sending out Andrew, you know, AOC seventy percent tax rate, all these very very kind of far left statements, and then all these far right statements. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, this is an arsonist. This is an account run by somebody else, whether mm-hmm. it's a troll farm in Albania, or whether it's somebody trying to get somebody elected or suppress the vote, who's identified me as one of the I don't know seven million most influential people on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Probably, maybe. And is purposely trying to pick fights and divide us. And if I can figure this out in about 30 seconds, then the notion that Jack Dorsey is trying to figure it out is just a lie. And when he stands in front of Congress and raises his right hand and says, we have a responsibility to promote a positive dialogue, he is lying to Congress. So my fail or my, my, my loser is Jack Dorsey, who despite the silence retreats, despite the namaste bullshit, despite the beard, despite the nose ring, is making America a worse All right. place. All right, then. Okay. Boom! Boom. Uh, Where are my antidepressants? I want to know if you think uh, it's a loser when Gimlet media. I'm moving on to another thing. I, 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 I really appreciate your endorsement. But come on the show, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> but come on the show. I'm trying to get him to come on the show. You know what? Work with Elon. I just kept texting at him. I'm doing it to Alexandra Ocasio. I'm being nice to her because I like her. Uh, but Jack, I'm being somewhat aggressive with. Um, yeah, so, he's not and, coming on the show. Whatever, whatever. Uh, he's coming. He's he's going to do or it. Maybe, Trust me. I'm sorry, when he does, maybe. you're going to give me like ten dollars. So, uh, Gimlet Media, but the Spotify thing. What do you think? Peter Kafka broke the story. Uh, talked to Alex Bungberg about the deal. You can hear the rest of the interview on Peter's podcast. But here's a little short, short little tape. Like our basic idea, the thing that motivates us is that we're at the second golden age of, with the dawn of the second golden age of audio. And there's just this explosion, this flourishing of new kinds of storytelling, new kinds of programming that's made possible by on-demand audio. And that's growing quite fast, just globally, and it's growing really fast on Spotify, but the actual size of the industry is still very small. It's, you know, podcasts are probably half a billion dollar industry this year. And there's basically a disconnect between the number of people who are listening and the amount of shows they're listening to and the amount of money coming into podcasting. What do you think about this? Scott? Well, Kara, you're the, the king and queen of podcasts. What do you think? I think I need $400 million. <laughs> I'm thinking I should have gone and done only podcasts. You need to be a person of means? I need to be a person of means, and I should have done—I had the sense of podcasts early, and I should have built a a company like Alex's. I think I was capable of it. I feel stupid. No, no, I'm kidding. Um, No, I'm not kidding. Uh, I think it's. I think it's interesting. I think it's. Uh, podcasts are really good businesses right now, and the really good ones are going to rise to the top. So I'm pretty excited about it. I think there'll probably be a shakeout. Yeah. So the, the total market for podcasts is. $350 $350 million or about one quarter of the, you know, one quarter's worth of mm-hmm. ads in the Super Bowl is the entire market for all podcasts. That's mm-hmm. the bad news. The good news is it's growing fast. Yep. What's interesting about podcasts is they, the audience over-indexes on young and wealthy, which advertisers love. And the really interesting thing about podcasts, and I'm new to this whole medium, 
is that the advertising, I find the advertising less offensive and interruptive yeah. than in other formats, yeah. which might be what, what, what makes podcasting the only growth medium that is ad-supported. Yeah, they are. They're kind of fun, too. We've done some fun ads and stuff. You know what's interesting? I'll tell you my take on it is I have never had such fervent fans. Like, literally, last night I was speaking at Johns Hopkins uh, Center for Advanced, whatever, whatever, something, some fancy think tank thing. And two people hugged me. Hugged me like I love you. Like it was like okay. Like I don't. I do not get that when I was a writer and or do my conference. Same thing. It happens every day. Someone comes up to me and wants to talk to me and is excited to meet me. And it's really and they say that how is Galloway? Like they they see you as a a, a character that they like. And then I was at uh, down at Anthem in. Um, down at the wharf in Washington, D.C., and John Lovett had a sold-out show of 3,200 people for Love It or Leave It. It was just really interesting. Uh, you know, $30 a pop, that's a really good business. Anyway. Yeah, you know how, you, to be honest, Kara, though, you know how mm -hmm. it feels when someone comes up and interrupts yeah. me in the middle of the day and what? says, oh, I really like what you do. You know how it really feels? What? It feels wonderful. It feels it's really wonderful. nice. <laughs> I like it. It feels too. wonderful. Fans I love it. It, 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 it makes me feel affirmed. We enjoy it. People, we, people act as they're, they're embarrassed because they literally think they interrupted me. I'm like, I'm sorry, do that again. What did you say? You mm -hmm. like me? You really yeah. like me? Right. Yeah, right. I really like it. It's nice. Absolutely. It's really nice. Um, so, Scott, very quickly, prediction. We got to go. Uh, so, Snap had, uh, I, I think their stock bumped 20%. Because they're not losing users. It was the first time that they reported flat like user Snap. growth. I'm pulling for them. You're pulling for them? Yes. Yeah, so am. my prediction is yeah. my prediction is that so when people are near death, mm -hmm. oftentimes there's this effect where they will literally have a burst of energy and get up and go garden or cook a meal and then they go back to the room and die. <laughs> this is literally Snap <laughs> getting a burst of no, energy going into the there. kitchen and cooking. The They've deceleration Okay, the decline in no. the death the death rattle of Snap no. is about no. to resume. You're wrong. I think they've got some really interesting people, including several really prominent women. Were just hired. I think I, I think they can do something. I think he's a very creative guy, and he's got to got He's got to he's got to professionalize that company. But you know, I like I like what they're doing, and we'll see if they can do it. I agree with you. It's hard. It's going to be hard. It's going to be super hard. But I do like. It's so. I was at their headquarters. In New York, and literally, even the room was creative. This room they had that you're not supposed to talk about, but it has all the Snapchats on the walls and stuff like that. It was a wonderful place to be, and I just they have a they have a creativity that is very enjoyable whenever you're around them. Thank you very much. I think you're wrong. I think they can pull yeah. it out. Prominent. They're going to need more than prominent woman in, a, in an escape. I know room. they just hired some executives got, I really like. I'm going to go. He off is so the, he is so number two. Your man crush first is oh Elon, the second is Evan, and the third is John Lovett. Do you know? Do you know? I love John Lovett. But love, I it? love it. No, love it. Love it or leave it. Um, love it. I, you know who I have a man crush on? Paul Pelosi. That's who I have a man crush on. Thank you very much. Paul Pelosi. Yeah. Uh, Nancy I know husband. nothing about Paul Pelosi. Go look more him up. Than, uh, go Kellyanne him. Conway's He's husband. He's a tremendous guy. He's on the board. He's just. Yeah. I really like him, and I think we, someone should write about him because he's a really interesting fellow. Um, all right. Uh, uh, I have no other predictions besides that. Scott, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. Where will you be coming from? I'll be in New York, maybe, I think. New York. 
you know, it's a bad sign, but I have absolutely no idea where I'm going to be next week. All right. Then I won't see you in New York when I'm there. Um, But I'm looking forward to talking. There's going to be lots to talk about um, coming up. Um, Rebecca Sinanis produces the show. Nishat Kurwa is executive producer. Thanks also to Eric Johnson. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Vox Media. We'll be back next week for more of a breakdown of all things tech and business. If you like what you heard, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening.